12 minutes past 10, Steve Vines in the house. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes I'm, I'm glad you played the kinks. You really got me. I know, it's brilliant, isn't it? You really got me. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it does sort of... Is that word segue? Segui, actually. Segui, yes. Segui, it yeah. segues into <laughs> other things, it doesn't does. it? Do you realise that today, many, many years ago, Winston Churchill did his finest hour speech? Mm. Oh, right. Mm. Gosh. The irony. Gosh, yes. And and here we are at a historic... Oh, Battle of Waterloo Day as well, isn't it? Oh, it, is it today? I think I knew, it is. I know, it's, it, it, it's around. It's around. Yeah, it is. By the way... Um, <laughs> Any lo- French listeners? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but you lost, mates. Um, <laughs> that Napoleon. Ton- tons of stuff going on this week. Yes. Now, the, 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 obviously, the obvious thing we'll get onto in a minute. The elephant in, I, in, in the room. The gorilla. I thought the cracker was... Um, the boss tells us that non-violence can lead to violence, and I thought, that's brilliant. You wouldn't have thunk it, would you? Yes. It'll, be, it'll be telling us that sitting down can lead to standing up next. Uh, I, I'm not sure that's entirely true. That's not In true. my experience. Hmm. Yes, mm. Minister. I'm not sure that's entirely true, no. All yours, Steve. I'm just going to have a sip <laughs> well, of my no, coffee. No, no. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I mean, there's been a confluence of events. Um, you've got the vote in LegCo, which may or may not take place today. What do you reckon? Uh, no. Okay. I think that uh, we don't need to sort of hang around Why with that. Would, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. The question is when will the vote come and what happens afterwards. But before the vote, the whole, um, if you like, the whole scenario that's been laid out, particularly by C.O. Leung, who incidentally is visiting Hong Kong hey. again. He's back from his travels. I think he's going to be here for days now. Ooh. That's very impressive. But anyway, it has been that not only are the Democrats the people who are blocking democracy... But they are responsible for chaos and violence. Well, we all know that. Well, I knew that. I, I'm basically knew that people. as well. Um, but but here you have you have a, a script having been prepared, and and then you have to somehow fill that script with moving images. So the day before the debate takes place, suddenly this enormous bomb plot is discovered in in Sai Kung of all UXP. places. Um, the details of that still remain very unclear, and I, I'm not going to say... They will come out at an appropriate time, though. They will come out when the moment is right. I'm not going to say anything about that, because, like everybody else in Hong Kong, I don't know what the details are. But what I do know is it's very intriguing that this bomb plot was discovered a day before the bomb debate. Plot, some itching powder and a pea shooter. <laughs> and uh, as I, I saw a quote by Steve Vickers somewhere, who, who, who sort of has, has dealt with these things on, on, on the security front, who says that the, most pe- the people most likely to be injured in this plot are the plotters themselves, yeah. given the information about what they had to hand. But anyway, let, let, let's ignore all of that, or let's not ignore all that, and then you come to this extraordinary extraordinary police presence inside Legco. Inside Legco, I have to stress this because it is a it is supposed to be a debating chamber, but it's more than that. It has a statutory place in the basic law. Listeners will know how important the basic law is. And it is Hong Kong's legislature. So what is it that suddenly compels the authorities to turn the legislator legislature into a, into a place of siege. I mean, the legislators themselves are being frisked before they go in. It creates a whole atmosphere. Who is it who said he felt like he was script. going through a, Was it Ronnie Tom? It, no, it was like, Alan Lowe. Was it Alan? Said, he said it's like getting on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> Take your shoes off. Take, take your, your shoes off. off. Yeah. Yes, I mean, if you've ever got on a plane in America, you'll know what he's talking about. No kidding. Um, it's much worse than here. But anyway, um, 
if you want a script and you want some moving images to, to, to tell you how much chaos and violence is going to occur, you, 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 you have a bomb plot the day before, you then bring in all these police into the very place where this thing is being debated, and then outside, and this is very interesting, you, you, you have um, demonstrations, which, of course, you, you have, and in Hong Kong, thank goodness, people are still allowed to demonstrate. But it is quite interesting... The, oh, incidentally, the, the communist Targum Pao today said that 10,000 people gathered to um, express their support for the passing of the bill. Where they got those 10,000 people from, I don't know. What were, in fact, there were, were some um, people in numbered T-shirts. Did you see this? On, on the pro side, numbered T-shirts. And so they all get their envelope. Most of whom seem to be Putonghua speaking... Uh, Gosh! But they're not doing anything wrong. I was thinking about this. If these guys want to turn up and no, 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 I'm not saying do a any, bit of pay not, for play. Fine. Yes, I mean a lot of them were wearing dark glasses. Well, of course and they wouldn't are. Talk and were notably ever so slightly. But we all mu- know this. You see, ever so slightly muscular. It's like whatever. Um, get on with it. I know, but but all I'm saying is that that if you want to portray this mm. as the last ditch against chaos and violence, and then you go about setting a scene that creates the impression that Hong Kong is besieged by bomb plots, needs policemen in the legislature, etc., etc., etc. You're writing your script, you're painting the picture, and you're drawing the conclusion that you drew before all of this started. Now, the reality is that today, when the vote is probably going to be taken, and the outcome is already known because all the people who are players in this game have said what they're going to do, you, you you will genuinely have a lot of people outside the legislature in support of the pro-democracy movement rather than... But why do they... I mean, uh, surely they should just stay at home because they've got what they wanted. Well, I think everything is to do with displays of strength. And, and the democracy camp feels that, you know, you, you need boots on the ground to show that there is a lot of support for this. It doesn't influence the outcome of what goes on inside the chamber. But on the other hand, if there were really were 10,000 pro-democracy protesters, as Dagong Power informs us today, that were yesterday, I, that, that wouldn't change the, the vote either. So, you know, but the point is that <laughs> Hong Kong, and let's not forget this, Hong Kong has an enormously long tradition of peaceful and quite big, quite big demonstrations. Well, until recently. Even the Occupy movement, which is, which is, which is broadly portrayed as being a scene of chaos and blah, 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 I didn't see any violence other than the, the famous night on which the, the, the police deployed tear gas when I was there, and it was very frightening. At six o'clock on the dot. It, it, well, it you, know, you know what bureaucracies are like. <laughs> exactly. I must say, uh, as someone who's been in, in situations where tear gas is going to be moved, when I saw those guys turning up with masks on, and with, knew. With the, I knew exactly what was going to happen, and I'd been tear gassed before, so I moved out of the way. Actually, Because I really didn't fancy it again. I don't blame you. I, just, I don't quite know what happened on this day, but back in the days of the miners' strike, you're going to know about this, today was the day of a really big ruck. I'll look, oh, yes, I'll, this was the... Um, I'll look it up as we speak. Yes, um... It, it, it was a coal depot. It was in York, Yorkshire? No, I think it was in the Midlands, actually. Um, if you're going to look it up, I, I can stop being an idiot by trying to pretend of something that I don't actually possibly remember. I've got it. Okay. It was... Um, but but just while you're looking at that, let me just say that, that in the 
in the Occupy demonstration, what was impressive mm-hmm. was despite the very large numbers of people and despite the fact that they were there a very large number of days, not only were they peaceful, but they were doing civic things like recycling bottles, cleaning up the streets. People overlook that all of this was happening. It wasn't an unruly mob. It was a mob that was there for a purpose. Absolutely. And there was no violence. I mean, I keep hearing about how much violence there was. It's it's a simple lie. And it's it's entering into mythology. Yeah. But it's a simple lie. I've got this thing it says here. A major clash between 5,000 feds and a similar number of miners takes place in... Orgreaves. Oh, the Orgreave Colliery, yes. yeah. yeah. Uh, UK miners strike. So I, think, the point I, think, is that I think that was in Nottinghamshire, actually. But um, Being gassed. You yeah. Said, you said you'd... I mean, well, well, no, that was... <laughs> I'm sure they didn't do that. They were cracking heads up. They were just there. stuffing them up, yeah. Yeah, I didn't... I, I, I was covering the miners' strike, so I, I got around to a lot of these things. I, I wasn't there for that, but I did visit in the aftermath... And there were people with some very nasty wounds. I bet. And, of course, the, the, the role of the police in the miners' strike, this is the miners' strike of about three decades ago. 84, remains, this was. Yeah, remains very, very controversial. And what really saddens me in Hong Kong is the way that the police are increasingly being used as a political force in, in Hong Kong. What and, you know, this is, a, this is a police force with a good reputation. And people previously were very proud of it. You look at all the ratings for the police now, they're going down and down, and there's a reason for that. See, one thing we forget is these guys are all human beings too. What must be going on in some of these young lads' heads? You know when the crowds, that night, that night when the tear gas, they're going, where's your conscience, where's your conscience, of course. And they weren't looking happy, I can tell you that. it must be a... They were not looking happy. And and these, you see, there's a difference in my mind between the frontline guys who have to do this Mm. and and the, the blokes in the white shirts sitting in the office... Uh, over on Arsenal Street, who, who, frankly, um, a- and particularly during the occupation, um, the the chief of police, Andy Jung, simply wasn't ever there. He did all of this from his office. Extraordinary form of leadership, not actually did to he turn text up. In? Did he do it on WhatsApp? <laughs> I don't know what he did. I want to go to an email, Steve, if yeah, I may. Uh, this is <coughs> boom. This is from S- Steve, one of our listeners. Uh, he says, morning, all one of the uh, one on the Hong Kong activist terrorists and the pea shooters, he says. Nice to see hypocrisy, says Steve, at its best from the master himself, our beloved leader, C.Y. Long. Of course, he has to read the script on illegal activities, etc., says Steve. But to pay his respects to Yuan Kuang one day <coughs> and then condemn violent protests the next... Steve says, does this joker ever think through his actions? Yeah, he's talking about the one of the leaders of the 1960s um, spillover in Hong Kong from the Cultural Revolution in China. And remember what happened then for people who, who like to airbrush history. If you want to know about what Hong Kong is like when violence erupts, you, you want to look at that period of the 1960s when individuals who were opposed to the communists were assassinated. That happened when there was looting and burning on the streets when stones were being thrown... Pineapples. and Well, stones, pineapples and other objects were being thrown at the police, etc., etc. I mean, this was, this was violent activity. Yeah. We haven't fortunately seen anything like that since the 1960s. And those, the... But, of course, the people who were the perpetrators of that are now 
as in the case of Yuan Kuang, are now being honoured as great heroes. Different budgets, Steve. Blame the Brits. Uh, one of the people who was involved in the riot sits in Li- C.Y. Leung's government at the moment, who shall remain nameless, that's Jun Duk Singh, um, etc., etc. So, you know, the rewriting of history goes on at a pace. It really does. Very interesting, this one. When I said pineapples, I think that was the slang for the little bags of bomb yes, that yes. they left. And it would say yes. stuff like, for the white man, don't yes, touch this, yeah. things like that. It's really worth looking into this because it's fascinating. Hor- yes. Horrendous, but fascinating. I, I, I heard um, on, on Backchat, just, just before coming in here, Kevin Yam, who was, who's from the Young Lawyers Group, saying that while he was demonstrating yesterday on the pro-democracy side, yeah. he saw the blokes on the other side of the road mimicking machine guns pointing at them and he said "Mm, i wonder where the violence comes from here very interesting though i mean it's all over social media that this lot of pay for play they've even been interviewed by cnn did one a a, a time magazine lady was interviewing one she said i've been paid i've been wedged up i mean what's the point everybody knows it's a waste of money and and, and these guys you know they're not the the brightest and the best they say why you're here is i'm waiting for instructions yeah. No, no, why are you here? I'm waiting for instructions. But the thing is... <laughs> and have you ever heard of people who take part in a protest movement who won't speak to the press? The whole point of a protest movement is to, to express the point express of view. Yourself. It's what it says on the tin. So, you know, if these guys can't even tell you why they're there, you, you have to draw a conclusion as to why they're there. But aren't you, aren't you scratching your head now? So the game's afoot. Everybody knows everything. I mean, as I say, Facebook is just brimming with look at this bloke look at that bloke watch this video they're all wearing this that and the other so it's like the the object what's the point just to get a load of people on the streets well there is a certain element and it's costly too there is a certain element of ritual involved here i mean this is a big event i i'm not trying to be discussed you know all these people go oh i'm so bored by this constitutional stuff you know i've got better things to do and that's just the legislature i've got got noses to pick and um, you know things like that yeah but you know this is a big event It, it it is part of hong kong's history that we've we've reached a stage in development where the constitutional future of hong kong is being debated in the chamber i mean somehow that gets lost in all this other noise the fact that this bill is highly unlikely to be passed. It's going to be a quiet day tomorrow. Um, means that tomorrow, well, the, the vote may just trickle on till tomorrow, let's see. Means that um, we just don't know. Well, we know what will, go, we know what will happen <laughs> in the legislature. We know what we know. We don't. The no- <laughs> it's those known unknowns. The known unknowns. <laughs> the no, I wonder if he's met Ronsford. <laughs> yeah. um, it's those known unknowns. But, I mean, really, we don't know what happens afterwards, and that's mm. where things are starting to get more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because... The the line that's coming out from the government is, we're not going to do any more of this, we're going to concentrate on the economy. Radio 3, still in with Steve Vines. I know we do want to go on to something else. If you want to get in touch, morningbrew at rthk.hk. Thanks for the whammer there from Steve H. Now, um, if you were a news editor for one of the world TV channels or whatever, doing this in Hong Kong right now, at 20 to 11 now, um, what would be your story? What would be the kicker? Uh, well, I suppose what would be the kicker would be um, something that put in context what's happening here. You know, this is the only part of the People's Republic of China where people have a chance to enact some kind of democracy. Yeah. The legislators are now being asked whether they want a form of democracy as conceived in Beijing or whether they want a form of democracy that, you know, is, is more commonly understood when you use that term. And I would I think I would try and locate it in its historic context because it is very unusual 
that in the middle of a, a, a communist dictatorship you have a little tiny island of it. Fantasy island. Well, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I mean, the fact is, it is, it is an anomaly and, and, and people shouldn't lose sight of that where this debate is going on. And I think that would interest people in an international audience because they wouldn't quite get... You, you know, they, a lot of people don't even realise that Hong Kong is, not to all intents and purposes, but is full stop yeah. part of the PRC. And that, that this bizarre system that was devised for Hong Kong, one country, two systems, is, according to many people in Hong Kong, under threat. But the fact that a, that a one-party state devised that system yeah. was revolutionary in every sense of the word. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing about how would you describe this to people overseas, um, well, they're offering you democracy, aren't they? But you're saying no to it. And I think the answer might be something along the lines of people here who are against this are petrified that it's actually, it would be a Trojan horse. Exactly. And, and people here are worried about all sorts of other things associated with that. The loss of Hong Kong identity, which is very precious. The loss of rule of law, which is a cornerstone of Hong Kong, the independent judiciary and things like that. I mean, they're all part of the mix yeah. and they're all part of the anomaly as well. The reason I ask you this question is I'm flit flicking through any you know news sites mm. and uh, even even our, our news guys. There's only one story that you can write today. You're kind of cramped, aren't you? Well, it's the big story, you know? I, yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, pe people say, oh, it's all boring, we've heard it before. The big story is the big story. True. You, you, you know, when... when enormous events happen even if they're staged events and pre-planned events which this is yeah they're still big events mm. so you know I, I just as a sidebar to this it just very much amused me i saw an advert in the south china morning post yesterday or maybe it was the day before from the pakistan chamber of commerce saying that 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 um, the pakistani community very strongly wanted this legislation passed and i'm thinking that's an atrocious example of foreign meddling in the internal affairs of Hong Kong. And I was fully expecting Carrie Lam or somebody else to say, we, we, we really can't have foreign chambers of commerce putting adverts in the newspaper about these things. I mean, if you, can you imagine? Can you imagine the response if it was on the other, if the boot was on the other foot? Say the American chamber. Oh boy. Put in an advert <laughs> saying, we strongly urge Light legislators to vote against the constitutional reform proposals. I mean, brown stuff and fan, these are words that would oh, go together. Steve, very it's, quickly. It's, it's a different budget. It's a different budget and it's different people. And anyway, who's ever heard of Pakistan? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Meanwhile, in other news, but connected news, I, I do believe. <laughs> yeah, see? We, we, we've got what's going on in, on the football stadia of Hong Kong, where, where Hong Kong's been involved in two international games. I think one was with Bhutan and the other was with Mauritius, where, where the crowd booed out... I, I shouldn't laugh because this is very serious and this is a very serious programme. <clears throat> where the crowd booed out um, the Chinese national anthem, fueling the anger of the crowd was this poster that was, was, was produced by the Chinese Football Association saying, you know, when you're up against Hong Kong, you're up against really tough competition because their players have black skins, yellow skins and white but skins. But they think that's normal. And the chairman of that, um, or also deputy chairman, I think he was, of, of, of the Chinese Football Association said, well, you know, if, if a poster like that has given any offence, gosh... Who, who, who likes the word if there? Um, we we apologise, but 
I want to point out to you that the poster was designed by a French person. Oh, well, there you go. So there. There you go. There you go. And, you know, what I like about the Hong Kong crowd is they're going, we're not having any of this. We're in Hong Kong. See, where are these people? We're an international city. We, we, um, you you know, um, I'm not saying there's no racism in Hong Kong because that's stupid. But there's a lot of people here who quite like the fact that Hong Kong does have a variety of people. And it's become... And, and, and is proud of that. And in football, actually, the Hong Kong football tradition of having players from other ethnicities, as I believe is the politically correct way of putting it, is actually a very long tradition. It's and, actually and, bonded these lads more, probably. Yeah, yeah. Football football in Hong Kong is is a multinational enterprise. Oh, and, yeah. And long may it last. Yeah, I mean, it's that old thing about sport and music of certain kinds. It, it kills political discrepancies and arguments and stuff it's like if you love it you love it uh, but why were the why was the crowd booing the chinese national anthem i think this is not so much they were booing the national anthem but they were booing the idea that 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 hong kong should be subservient rather than well then all those a part of then there was all this stuff on on social media with i mean goodness knows again maybe it's pay for play again people think they you know the, the 50 cent boys and everything um hong kong you know lap dogs and this that and the yeah. other it's, oh oh yes and and from um from across the border um, <laughs> talk about restrained comment not <laughs> Absolutely, but you know they're talking. Pre- it's funny that, that, that a lot of those postings on on uh, social media were accusing Hong Kong people because they they weren't fully appreciating the national anthem of being racists. Yeah, I don't quite understand that, but anyway, yeah, put it together. Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering if you think. I mean, social media is brilliant because whether you believe it or not, it gives you food for thought, it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it, and it, I, I mean, I know it's self-selecting by definition because only people who want to participate participate. But I think because there's so much of it, it does give you a bit of an insight into into what's going on. And all these videos and pics that are doing the rounds. (laughs) I mean, frankly, without Facebook and Twitter, etc., we probably would go, yeah, if somebody said, these blokes have all been shipped in, they've all been paid to turn up, we'd say, don't be silly. Yeah, how do you know? How do you know that? Well, you know that because you've got clips of film. That's right, that's right. So that's a good thing. It's a good thing. What else you got for us? people do it on their cameras now. I mean, they they have cameras in the telephone. Have you heard about that? He's got a phone that that does (laughs) phone calls, haven't you? Your phone just does phone calls. Yeah, yeah. It's got a dial on it. (laughs) I, I, I get very hard, highly mocked for my <laughs> telephone, and I'm very defensive towards it. It, it does the job, but you can stir your tea with it, which you, I can't with mine. You, you can, and you can put it in your pocket. That's right. I followed the government's example, said pocket it, and I said, yeah. All right, I'll have that. I'll have that, I'll what, have that little What phone. else is going on? What else this? is going on? Well, another thing that's going on that I, I, I can't help but love and admire is they've set up in Fujian province a special school for the brats of tycoons. Oh, yeah. to teach them to behave better. Apparently, some of those tycoon brats are a little arrogant and a little self-confident to an extent that perhaps is antisocial. So in Fujian, where, where, where it, um, a lot of these tycoons live, Fujian has been notable for um, producing um, fat cats. A lot of those people, apparently... There's a there's a small amount of self awareness creeping into the equation, 
So the, the government itself has set up this school, one of the propaganda ministries, I can't remember which one it is. And it, it is literally a school for tycoons like a finishing offspring. school. A finishing off a school. A finishing <laughs> off school, where they're told, you know, don't be arrogant, um, you don't have to drive a Ferrari just to do your shopping, uh, assuming you do shopping and somebody doesn't do it. So it's re-education it again. It, it's kind of re-education with apparently a light touch. But this, uh, you have to keep reminding yourself, is in a country which is still described as a people's republic where the disparities of wealth are higher than they are in most other parts of the world and where the people who are rich are literally nouveau riche you know they're new rich people who who get a lot of money and it somehow it doesn't come with a lot of class can't buy me love the beatles got it right the beatles got it right and and you know you hear these stories of what what you, you know, I saw a story the other day about a, a new gold-plated car, and you think, yeah. what is wrong with these people? I mean, what is it that, that what idiot would sit at home and say, gosh, I've got to go out there and tell everybody how wealthy I am. I'm, I know what, I'll get a gold-plated car. That should do the trick. That's a bit much, isn't it? So this is actually a, <coughs> it's a school. It's not it's, like somewhere is, they get sent. Well, it, it's, it's a school and it's voluntary. And, and it's a summer course, I think. It's not, it's not full-time, apparently. They, they can go back to their, right. their nice other ways. I wonder, of, I wonder if this is part of their thing about, you know, stop sending your kids to the West. Yeah, I think it is part of that thing. And which they is, will carry on doing. And, and which, of course, they will carry on doing because although they love the motherland intensely, they also like to have an exit ticket should it should love of the motherland not not prove to be all that it's supposed to be. Yeah. The intense hypocrisy of these people is beyond all... <laughs> all human knowledge, that's it's all always, I can I don't say. Know who, I don't know who said it, but that brilliant thing about heart on the left and wallet on the right... Yeah. Yeah, ain't, sort of, ain't that a fact? It sort of is, really, isn't ain't it? A, I mean, I know that in Hong Kong, because you have a society largely composed of immigrants and descendants of immigrants, people do have this mentality mm. of transience and of the need to, you know, to to have contingency plans for all eventualities. But the the reality is that the only people who can really afford to go out and send their children to overseas universities, buy property overseas, secure overseas residency, are the very people who are the loudest shouters for... <laughs> for for the government and for the People's Republic, etc., etc. I mm. mean, you know, follow what they do, don't follow, follow what, what they, they say. Yeah. I'll tell you something we didn't talk about two weeks ago. Those two old bats giving Ray Chan a hard time on the tube, yes. on, on the MTR. Yes. That's... I just wondered if you had any thoughts on that. Well, I do have some thoughts on that. Apparently, co- according to Michael Chigani, supporting them isn't in any way um, being anti-gay. I mean... He is the only member of the legislature who stood up and said, look, I'm a gay person. Yeah, it doesn't mean he's the only member of the legislature. I I, I carefully said (laughs) who has stood up and said that. Anyway, you know, uh, I also happen to think the person's sexuality isn't the most important thing about them, but it seems to have been in his case. Oh, yeah, no question. Because he's brave enough to come and say, you know, that's what I am, and he campaigns on gay issues, etc., etc. Well, I mean, the, the vile, foul language. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty choice, uh, wasn't uh, it? Um, and again, thanks to social media, we know exactly what happened because we've seen it. Yeah, it, there is videos out there. If you if you want to see these old, um, they're not that old actually. These these ladies of 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 ladies. Of, 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 of a middle age, um, and it it is interesting in Hong Kong that that this kind of homophobia which I honestly don't think 
is prevalent in every other society, or if it is, it people at least are embarrassed about it. It's considered not done it's, in many societies. It's just you know, considered not done. Correct. Even, even and you know, quite right. Even where you've got people who are homophobes, they they kind of have the the, the good sense to realise that yelling about it in public doesn't do them any favours. Yeah. It's it's extraordinary that in Hong Kong you've got people who are supposed to be sensible saying, oh, well, this is part of their right of freedom of speech. No, it isn't. I'm sorry. There's Freedom of speech isn't, isn't a licence to be racist, to be homophobic, to be all sorts of other well, unpleasant things. At the very least, if you want to be technical about it, they busted some MTR bylaws. I, don't, I mean, he has actually done something about this. I think he's gone to the equal opportunities. Yeah, I don't think that's going to do a great Probably deal of good. But I, I think the oxygen of publicity is, is what's going to uh, do more good. I think, in a way, it's very unfortunate to happen, but in a way, these people do need to be named and shamed. Of course. And uh, I think it's good. I think if you look at the younger generation of Hong Kong, by and large, again, it's a horrible generalisation. They've kind of got over this. They've kind of moved, they care. moved into the 21st century, which is, which is quite a good place to be. Do you know why I bring this up? Because we were told in another, in another stroke of brilliance, well, if, this, uh, if the bill here doesn't pass... Uh, the reform doesn't pass. Uh, we'll we'll concentrate on economy and livelihood issues. Yes. Oh, good. That's cool. But livelihood issues. This is one. Well, this is one. And and also, I I still don't understand why it was not possible for the government to do that. I mean, they have ministers in all these other departments. Have they been asleep for the last few months? 